Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Carrie Sisk. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Tracy Mooney. Today on the podcast, we're talking about what Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines as a magical power, our quilty mojo, that desire and impulse to create. Where do we find it and how do we use it? First, in our Around the Quilt Frame segment, Lori speaks to our guest, Kathy Ronaldo, a customer care specialist at SVP Worldwide and Husqvarna Viking educator. In addition to being a lifelong quilter, former quilt shop owner, quilt designer, and teacher with long-arm quilting expertise. Then Lori, Tracy, and I talk about what sparks our creativity and inspires each of us. Lastly, as always, we finish with a bang as we ruffle some terminology feathers in our Fine Finishes segment. Stick around and you might find some quilty mojo of your own. So I mentioned that we're discussing our quilty mojo today and touched on what people refer to when they throw this noun around. I thought I'd bring in the Urban Dictionary's definition to elaborate on this concept a little bit. And they define mojo as self-confidence, self-assuredness, and the ability to bounce back from something negative. Hmm. That's interesting. I thought so. All right, so the three of us are going to talk a little bit more about how we find our quilty mojo in a little bit, but I thought that it might be interesting to start with how it is when we are in a slump Mm. before we find our quilty mojo. So, you know, it's all about being a creative person. These are the things we all go through, and I feel like these are the things that aren't quite talked about very often when we are in a slump Um, because, you know, it's not fun, but... It's necessary, right? So I thought we'd start with you, Tracy. So when you experience a quilty slump, what does that mean for you? Oh, that means that um, I don't know what to do or where to start. I experience this a lot, actually, um, or often, I should say, uh, because I have my autoimmune disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Something interesting happens when I am not feeling well and when I experience a flare. The thing that happens is that I want nothing more than to be creative. However, my body isn't prepared to do anything. So, for instance, I have arthritis in my hands and I might not be able to cut fabric Um, or I... Um, might only be capable of sort of looking at the fabric and petting it um, and just have really no energy or even the, you know, headspace to work on a quilt block or something like that. So that's how I think that's the most common time that I experience um, hitting a slump like that, a creative slump. So it's more like your body can't, but your mind wants to. Mm-hmm. What about mental blocks? Do you ever experience those? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All the time. Well, I, you know, I think I mentioned this in our last podcast where I was talking about UFOs and I I'd realized after years of quilting and sewing that sometimes I would start a project and I would hit a roadblock of some kind. And sometimes that's a mental roadblock. Sometimes that's, you know, it's the whatever project you're working on isn't coming together. Maybe it's the colors aren't right or um or maybe there's some kind of technical hang up where the, you know, whatever you're working on isn't quite working the way it's supposed to. 
So I think, you know, that's sort of my mental hangups and that's how my UFOs get started as I get stuck. Right. You know, how about you, Lori? Well, I feel like I'm the exact opposite of Tracy where her physical then becomes a mental thing. For me, it's life is being difficult. Something's not going right. So I start having to work really hard not to be depressed. And when I'm struggling with depression, I want to hide in a book. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to think. I want somebody else to do all the thinking for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I hibernate in books. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an alternate reality. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have much energy to do that. That's no. right. And the hero always wins in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's a romance novel, <laughs> which is what my aunt will only read because she said she has enough reality in her own life. Oh, see? <laughs> yeah. That's really good. That's why I like Harry Potter so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am probably the same way, but what I find is most of my slumps come after I've finished a project. So I usually Mm -hmm. only work on one project at a time, but that doesn't mean that I finish every project I start. Um, I currently have three quilts that are waiting, a waiting binding. But yeah, after I finish a project, I... I don't know what happens. I think life just gets a hold of me. My kids take over. Mm -hmm. I start doing the dishes and I get obsessed with cleaning the house. And then that's what I do for the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Do you not do those things as you're you're quilting? Because I frankly neglect things. When When I'm in the middle of a project, I might not dust for two weeks. Oh, yeah. And it gets really thick. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I but see, it always comes back. That's the that's problem right. with it. I think I get a little obsessed with what I'm doing. And so then that's all I can focus on. And I think that's why I also have my slumps. Because once I'm done and I've started doing something else, whatever it is, or, you know, obsessive organizing or whatnot, then I get totally into that. And until I get inspired again to go downstairs and start quilting, I, I hang it up for a couple weeks. It's... Weird how it works for me. <laughs> but is that all it is, Carrie, just a couple weeks? So that's not a big deal. No. I mean, I do feel like uh, I neglect – like I start getting a little worried about, you know, my craft. I get that. You know what I mean? I get that Like, completely. am I done now? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I look at a – well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I will say, you know, whatever inspires me comes back full force and then I'm all about it all over again. So, yeah, it's interesting how it it happens to all of us, but in different ways. Right. Right. Um, so we all find ourselves in a quilty slump at some part at some point because it is part of the process. Uh, but it's the job of our next guest, Kathy Ronaldo, who Lori spoke with, to inspire others to find their quilty mojo, which is a tall order. When you are an educator, that's kind of what comes with the territory, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So you talked to her about her many successes, what inspires her, what she does with her inspiration. And you learned a little bit about her and she was inspired a little bit by you. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Okay, well, let's take a listen. Well, Kathy, today we're talking about our quilting mojo and creativity and that sort of thing. But I think first, our listeners are going to want to know a little bit about what you do, like your job, what they pay you for, not what you do when you're playing in your sewing room. 
My real job, you mean. Exactly. Yes. Well, my my official title um, is Education Support Specialist, um, but that means that I mostly work with our dealers, um, especially our new dealers. When they come on board, um, we offer pretty extensive training. So I'm responsible for all of the new dealer training um, there here at corporate office uh, just outside of Nashville, um, and that's a week long. So we invite them in and we train them on all of our um each machine in the line, and so they're they're pretty um, worn out, brain dead by <laughs> yes. the time they leave the week. But it's good; it's good for them, and it's good for us um, to have that relationship um, building in the very beginning. Um, I also support all of our educational events. We have several educators that travel, and they they do um, events at all of our dealers. So I support them and keep them flowing and going. And I write. Um, a lot of the projects that they teach, I help um, keep that just moving smoothly. Okay, cool. I, I think that's that sounds like fun. And it also sounds like one of those things where everybody says, oh, you mean you get to sew when you're at work? <laughs> yes, mm. they do say that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're like me, not so much. Um, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to sew at work, but most of my sewing happens at home. Mine um, too. Yeah. So what do you do when you get to that spot where you're just kind of looking around your sewing studio and you've got all this stuff and you don't know what you're going to do with anything? What do you do? Well, it's that's pretty often. It happens often, when, especially when you're in this industry, because you're surrounded by creativity. And then you get home and you've got to create and it's it's almost overwhelming it can be overwhelming sometimes so usually i like to just kind of sit back and try and clear my head a little bit from all of it just gets too overpowering for me so once i've cleared my mind i will just pull a magazine out I, magazines are my go to okay um, i like to i like to flip through them older mag i keep everything um so some of the older magazines i've I've dog-eared the pages for quilts that I've wanted to make forever. Um, of course, over the course of time, it changes, but I, it's still the design element for me that I see on the pages. It's not just the color or the quilt, it, but it's the, maybe one quilt block out of that whole magazine that right. strikes my interest. Um, so that's kind of where I get started because I have to back up and get back down to the simple part of it. And then build from there. And do you frequently, because of your job, wind up putting embroidery on your quilt blocks and that sort of thing? I do now. Um, When I first came into my job, um, my history, I have, I'm a long arm quilter. So I didn't incorporate a lot of embroidery into my designs because it was all about the quilting for me. Um, and now that I'm teaching more embroidery and working with these amazing machines, it's kind of hard not to incorporate these decorative stitches and right. the embroidery. And so now when I see a blank space in a quilt, it's not just about the quilting. It could be about an embroidery design that, that tweaks my interest. Um, so I've, I've learned over the course of time that it's not just about the stitches. It can be about the embroidery or even decorative stitches. Right. That I'll, I can, I'm making my own fabrics now to incorporate into a quilt. 
And you're so making your fun. own fabrics how? Are you saying taking a piece of fabric and putting lots of decorative stitches on them? Exactly. Um, sometimes you can just add uh, decorative stitches and keep building and building, and then you can make your own piece of fabric to incorporate into that design. So then after you have made your fabric, and I put the made your fabric yes. in quotation marks, <laughs> then you go ahead and cut it up just like you would an ordinary piece of fabric? I do. I do. Cause awesome. I will I make it oversized and then I trim it down to fit inside a um, certain quilt block or one of the designs that we're working with. And it's amazing what you can do with that. Oh, what fun. That just sounds wonderful. Um, I find for me that another place besides magazines, and obviously I get a lot of my inspiration from looking at magazines, but I also find inspiration when I go to quilt shows. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the great big 400 quilt kind of quilt show. It can be the little one in the church basement down the block or or whatever. I find inspiration there too. Do you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just um, did, uh, we were fortunate enough to have QuiltCon here in Nashville this year. So we had a couple of classrooms there. And of course I came home with my mind was just going nuts I bet. Um, after that. And then we had a little guild quilt show just locally. And I found more inspiration there than I did at the big show because it was I could spend time talking to the designers, the creators, the quilters. And that's kind of where I feed off of, too, is, is talking with other quilters. Because right. you start with one idea, and then you go into the, oh, but what if you did this? Or what right. if we changed that? Um, so that's where I take a lot of my inspiration from, too. One of the, I want to go back to embroidery for a minute, because okay. I was also an educator uh, a few years ago, and one of the things that they did was when a new embroidery collection came out, they gave everybody the embroidery collection. The idea was that we would use that collection to make a quilt or decorate a garment or do some home deck project or whatever with that embroidery collection. I'm sure the same thing happens now. It does. Do you ever find one that you think, oh, I don't like that collection very well? And if you do, what happens? I, I know that I this. found one like that, and I just I couldn't imagine ever using it on anything. And one of my friends said, oh, Lori, that's you. Change the colors. And they had featured that collection using avocado gold and uh, avocado green and that, that 70s-ish gold and I didn't like it, but I changed it to purple and metallic gold. Yes. And it decorates the back of a jacket. I love it. Does that Isn't happen it to amazing? you? Yes, it does. Even the packaging. Sometimes I look at the packaging and think, oh, there's no way. There's just no, I'm not even right? going to look at this because I can't get the best, the packaging. But once, if I... I think having the background of a long arm quilter is seeing past the colors and just look at the design itself, right. look at the shape and go from there because color can always be changed. But I completely understand what you just said. Um, right. Sometimes it's like, that is so not me. Right. Um, and exactly. I, I'm pretty out of the box, um, but even I struggle with some of the um, 
just the the shapes or the colors, the colors mostly, like right. you said. Right. So tell me more. You say you're out of the box. Tell me a little bit more about that. I want to know what out of the box is. Well, I do, the rules are guidelines, right? They're just kind of guidelines to follow to keep you in check. Um, but if you, I'm out forever taking one thing. Um, one good example was my very first convention class. Um, my manager, Vanessa, um, said, I'm going to have you teaching on this brand new machine. And I know you've being a previous educator, you know how that goes. Right. Um, you have 15 minutes on a machine or 15 minutes with a certain design, and then you're responsible for writing a class. And again, my, my mind goes, no way. There's just no way. But then when I look at it, um, I made a journal cover um, out of an embroidery design. We embroidered on the front of it. But instead of just leaving it at that, I used a... I, um, Annie Sloan chalk paint, the dark wax that they use. And so I just covered the whole journal to give it a real aged look instead of just leaving it at the design. Right. So I guess, I guess that's kind of how I've gotten known as being out of the box because I always want to take it a step further than what, um, it was designed for. Okay, then then that made my head go in a, a different direction. And <laughs> I find that when I make mistakes, yes. often I'm the most creative because yes. I have to figure out a way to make um, the mistake either look planned or cover yes. it up. Does that work exactly. for you too? And that's how that journal was inspired because it's such a dense stitching that I was having trouble with my threads not cooperating with me because I was stitching on vinyl. Right. Um, And it was very dense. And I thought, I just, I don't like the way this looks. Let's try a different color thread. And, oh, I don't like that either. And so then I thought, all right, I'm just going to cover the whole thing and make it look like I found it in an old antique shop and just give it that real aged look because it's not cooperating with me to begin with, so we're just going to fix that. I love that. I think that's yes. so fun. So tell me other places you, if you're in a slump, other places you might look. Um, well, of course, you know, there's always the online, and Pinterest, um, Instagram, and things like that. Um, but I think mostly I like being with other people that do what I do. That's where I always find my most inspirational starts to anything is that when I'm having conversation, just like this. Because my mind, my mind just starts going in circles thinking, oh, what if you did this? Or let's change that. Because that's, people like you inspire me. I remember as a very young lady, I mean, you know, kids, two years old, and my mom told me, always take every class that you possibly can because you will either learn something from the instructor or from the other students. And I have found over the years that that is so true. Absolutely. Somebody's going to tell you something that makes a light bulb go off. And how much, have you noticed how much you learn when you're teaching Absolutely. a class? Yeah, that's the I best way. <laughs> Uh, yes, because and when that when your students call you out on something or question you, it pushes you even further to and you know sometimes you don't realize you even have it inside you until 
you're being questioned and it just comes from, I don't know where it comes from right. sometimes. I think some people are just born with a creative knack. Um, I, I just, I'm amazed at how much some people are, they see something and they just take it to some other level. Right, right. I find that lots of times for me, inspiration comes from going for a walk. Yes. <laughs> I went to the farmer's market one time and there was a really cool manhole cover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that would be such a great quilting design. You Does that go for you too? Yes, I can relate to that. Um, my husband and I, I was very fortunate that we got to travel in our RV for about three and a half years. Oh, um, fun. Full time. Yes, it was. And I, I completely let down. I just let go of everything because I, and I was so in the moment. And so we traveled up and down the Gulf Coast and the East Coast. And I did my best designing when I was in that RV. And poor Ted, um, you know, he didn't need any clothes because every nook and cranny in that RV was covered in fabric. I had so much <laughs> fabric on board. Every surface was a cutting board, a table, or an ironing mat. Oh, I think you can see my kitty back here behind me. He's happy. Um, well, Kathy, when- thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to seeing some of your ideas um, in the future. And um, we've really enjoyed talking to you today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Bye-bye now. So we find inspiration in all kinds of places and things. Like one of the things that Lori just wrote a blog about was an Irish quilt she made for Bake, her husband, that was inspired by his grandpa's photo, right? That's correct. I thought that was so cool. Um, And then people, which is kind of a crossover to his grandpa. So let's talk a bit more about all of that. Um, I'm thinking, you know, when we want to begin a new project or finish one that we're working on, sometimes it can be hard to find the motivation to do that. So where do you look to find the inspiration or the motivation to start a new project when you're in a slump or to continue one that's not very exciting (laughs) at the time? So, Lori, why don't you give it a go? Well, first of all, I'm... I'm terrible, really, really bad about when something's not exciting me anymore, I put it away. And and it becomes one of those things that, oh, maybe I'll get to that someday, I hope. And then sometimes it's okay to actually get rid of that thing. I mean, if it's truly ugly and I can't imagine ever finishing it, why should I let it have room in my house? And what do you mean get rid of? Do you throw it away? Do you donate it? It depends on how bad it is. Okay. <laughs> I really have thrown things away. Yeah. Not very often mm-hmm. because most of the time you can take things back apart or one of your friends says, oh, I love those colors. And I'm thinking, oh, man. Um, so so most of the time it doesn't truly get pitched, but... But it's okay to get rid of things. Would you ever consider using it to like stuff something with or create like an animal? I don't make things like that. So so no, no. that's not going to happen. Right. So you might as well just. I do make pieced backs for my quilts. And I found that that 
things that aren't pretty in my eyes, if I cut them in smaller pieces, they're perfectly usable. Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Hmm. So what energizes you? So when you get into a quilty slump, what energizes you? What do you look – do you – you mentioned quilt shows in your talk with Kathy. And nature. And nature. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just a matter of saying, okay, Lori, you have stumbled around here in the – I'm going to just call it the dark. For long enough, it's time to be a big girl mm-hmm. and move on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, life can get in the way a lot. Yeah. And when you're a creative person, you tend to be an emotional person, I found anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you let people know or not. And so then that really has a lot to do with your creative mojo as well, I find. And I think that 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 being sad and depressed really, really affects that mojo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like I said, I, I just have to say, okay, I can, I can move on. I mm-hmm. will move on because I'm stubborn and I'm strong. Yep. Do you ever take out the depression or the sadness on a project, like, to get it out? I have, um, as in by color choices. Mm-hmm. And and I had one that I did a lot of real slashy kinds of things because I was pretty mad. <laughs> and And that's probably as close as I've come to an art quilt. Um, just expressing emotions. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to hear from uh, an art quilter what, you know, how they approach quilts when they're emotional, whatever it is, anger. Because, I mean, that seems to be there's a lot of expression in art quilts. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and like you said, Tracy, if you're depressed, some people might be more inspired to quilt. It might bring comfort. It yes. might, yeah. Yes. I think for me, when I've, you know, experienced um, a death in my family, I would say I really couldn't create. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that would get me out of the depths of that or or that creative slump are usually small, quick projects that um, kind of bring me joy. Yeah. You know, something small and fast that goes together easily. And it, it could even have been something that I had to do mm-hmm. um, for work, but it just made me so happy to pick the fabrics and touch them and complete something, no matter how small, it gets me on to the next thing. I think, too, it depends on what your creative endeavors do for you on a you know, generally. So for quilting, I find that I quilt when I am happy mm-hmm. and when I'm excited, um, when I'm frantic to make something, when I'm depressed or sad, I play my piano or, you know, I might write. So I have different outlets for different emotions right. and I find that my quilting is my happy so when I'm depressed or sad or under the weather or blue or whatever, that's not where I go for that. Mm. But that changes for everybody, I think. So getting out of the slump, you know, like in terms of depression or sadness, I for me, I just have to wait it out and wait until that passes because that's what happens with life. And then 
when it does pass, then I go back down into my basement and start making happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but your your sad spots are only a couple of weeks long? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's specific that my, you know, I'm sad for a couple of weeks. I might that might spark the drought. And then I get into something else and continue with that and that could go for weeks. Gotcha. And like I said, it's usually one project after a pro- after I finished a project. Um, if I, you know, if that's usually when the slump comes. But if it happens to be in the middle of a project, then, yeah, it's a couple of weeks, few weeks. And then I'll go back downstairs and continue on. So what do you do after you finish a project and you have that little few week period of creative slump? What is your go to? See, and this is so funny because it could be a number of things. So I'm, I never knew until I started this job that I was a kind of a online code, HTML code, digital, you know, strategist fanatic. And so I'll get obsessed with like spreadsheets and <laughs> like weird, like techie things and um, so, you know, as soon as I have a free minute, I'll open my laptop and start kind of obsessing over something there. Um, it could be music. It could be um, creating something in a different way. So painting. I would I would say those times are few and far between, especially with having kids that can only kind of afford to have one, like, passionate hobby at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they are not napping, oh no, oh, no. <laughs> my quilting has come to a complete halt. I'm Aww. so sad. I know. These kids. <laughs> <sighs> I feel you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But one way that I do, so I was going through my quilting books. Um, I think it was Jemima Flint. She has like a big block oh, yeah. quilt. That's a great book. I was looking through that the other day and I am in one of those slumps right now. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to get downstairs and make big blocks and just, like, go crazy. And um, I'm also part of the scrap quilting group, the Facebook group. And it's just, you know, anybody can join. It's just scrap quilt enthusiasts, I think it's called. And um, I see some amazing things on there, like. like Really beautiful. Really Mm -hmm. beautiful, amazing, intricate, scrappy things. And that inspires me, too. So social media. um, Playing in EQ8. Yes. Just playing mm-hmm. with colors. I mean, so it's so easy to switch yeah, out your colors. I haven't gotten the whole hang of that yet. It's, yeah, I mean, you have to put some time you into do. figuring it Agreed. out. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm starting to think that um, since I know Lori and I were did a Facebook Live where we were showing that book with the quilt big. Right. And we each got a copy of it. So we should start a little club at work and we'll make big blocks. I think yes. that'd be good. Oh, I've never made a big block. I've always worked I've with small things. not either. Yeah. And big blocks are great fun because you can make six of them and have a quilt. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. and I think that that's my thing is when I start a quilt, I want it to be like a project. I want to feel like I'm investing my time. I'm making something spectacular. I never allow myself to do something that's not difficult. And I think that is something that might hinder my mojo as well. I agree with you mm-hmm. because I was just thinking about how the projects that I've got going right now are a little bit fiddly. 
like really small blocks yeah. that you have to work on and and it just you don't they don't come together very quickly. No. Um so that can kind of suck out my my sewing mojo, my quilty mojo. Well, and I wonder for you too, with your immune disorder, mm-hmm. if big blocks would be kind of uh, easier. Yeah, I would think. I would think they'd be much easier. And plus, it just you know it would it sort of feed that thing that I was talking about earlier about um, wanting to just finish something, mm-hmm. just get it done. Yeah. And oh so, man! See now I'm inspired and I want to go make a big block. I think we need to go home. <laughs> I, like I do too. I like that. Yeah, we need to just go home as soon as we are done here and sew a big block. I or, think so. Or two. Our group content editor is sitting in here, and I she's shaking her head. I think that you should let this happen. <laughs> no, you have okay. to know that that one of the things that I do on a very regular basis is ask that content director if I can go home and sew now. <laughs> so she's used to this and right. I do have a job, so I yes. suppose I need to stay yeah, and not so. go home and sew. And that's, we do have a studio with sewing machines in there that sits right. there and stares at us. That's, that's right. right. And so, Carrie, I'm really serious this time. We're going to schedule time mm-hmm. to do your bindings oh my God. on those quilts. Oh. Well, anything else you ladies can think of that inspire you to... Get back in there and start quilting. Um, sometimes I like to do a project in the hoop. Oh, um, because it comes out perfect no matter how bad I feel. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And so yeah. it just comes out perfectly, and and it makes me it gives me that little creative outlet, and I don't even have to expend that much energy. So, man, that yeah. sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to go home and do that. Well, see, I'll have to do a demo sometime. <laughs> all right. Well, those are all excellent ideas, and I think. They're worthy of writing down, keeping in your back pocket for when you feel like you need inspiration, pulling Agreed. it out. Agreed. Check, big blocks. That's my number one at this point. <laughs> All right. So on to another fun topic that might start a bit of a fight, hopefully not between us. Quilty terminology. Mm-hmm. All right, Tracy. All right. I'm taking it away. Do it. Okay. So there are certain words that I think... Often quilters get a little upset about. Mm-hmm. And in one instance, it came up recently because in magazines, we try to use, you know, be as concise as possible when it comes to describing certain things. And one of the issues that we had was about um, designed by, made by, sewn by. Quilted by. Sometimes these are all different people in one quilt mm-hmm. in one of right. our issues, and so we were trying to condense it, and and uh, condensing because it all lives under one photo, correct? Right, correct. So it's like we a only, caption. We only have a little bit of space, mm-hmm. and depending upon which magazine, it's written in a different way. But we tried to keep all of. Um, the way that we described it across all of the publications the same. So we tried to condense it to made by mm-hmm. because we figured then if a person designed it and made it and quilted it, then that's all made. Mm-hmm. But that kind of ruffled some feathers. Yep. So now we have to break it out. However, the thing that I hear the most on Facebook, and I want all of your opinions about this, is sewist. Sewer, seamstress, or just quilter? It depends, though. 
on what the okay. action is? On what I'm actually doing. Mm-hmm. If I'm making a garment, you obviously can't describe me as a quilter. No. Right, exactly. Unless you're quilting it. Quilted Ooh, jacket. That's, mm. What if See, you're it's a quilted now, jacket? Now we're getting into some <laughs> strange territory. Uh, right? Totally. Okay, sewist or sewer? Okay, so this is an issue that I know that our sewing publications have had. And I believe that they use the term sewist because when you write sewer, you read sewer, sewer. which is no bueno for anybody, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, no, except for Laura Wazilowski. Oh. She does, if you've ever been lucky enough to have her come to your guild, she has this awesome talk that she does. Well, actually, I shouldn't even say talk because she sings part of it. Oh. Um, but every town she goes to, she takes a picture of the sewer because mm-hmm. she says, look at this. In every town, there's a sewer. Okay. Well, that's cute. That's <laughs> very, very cute. And, and some of those, you know, back to those um, sewer covers, they're pretty creative sometimes. Yes, they, they are. <laughs> and I have actually seen, I've posted a video on the Quilting Arts Facebook page of um, those sewer manhole covers. covers. Yeah, the manhole mm-hmm. covers. And people taking, um, I think it was like... Crayons. Blank, like, t-shirts. It, oh, right. And putting it over the manhole mm-hmm. cover and then taking, like, a crayon or something mm-hmm. and Or they put it. paint on the, yeah, the paint. thing and yep. then rub the t-shirt on yes. it and it... Does the print. Yes. Yes, that was very cool. Yeah, and people loved it, and I can see why. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's crossover. But as a social media manager, if you go to Instagram and go to hashtag sewer, it's all manhole covers. Really? It is not sewer. See? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So So it's different in print. Have you seen on social media people complaining about sewists? Yes. Yes. And I find that a lot of times it's um, a generational thing. Agreed. That was exactly what I was going to say. When I'm talking, I will call someone a sewer. Mm -hmm. When I write it, I don't want to use that because of the sewer thing. Mm -hmm. But if I'm writing, I'm more inclined to say a seamstress or a quilter. Okay. Mm -hmm. But but I'm the old one of all of us. (laughs) That's Mm. different for... The younger generations, yeah, and I, I would know say that. I tend to write sewist, mm-hmm. um, just because I think it looks better in mm-hmm. print. Um, but I do get that now that it does upset people, and I'm I'm privy to pet peeves. You know, I get that. So it's a little tricky though to navigate all those emotions and you know offenses because seamstress can be offensive to the younger generation. The younger people. Mm-hmm. All right, what about quilter versus art quilter? See, we're not art quilters, but. Or not. I can't answer that because I'm not an art quilter. Mm. I, 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 I have I've heard that some people have issues with that and they just would rather call themselves an artist. Or a fiber artist. Fiber artist, yeah. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to that they do a lot of mixed media. Yes. Mm-hmm. So not it's not always about quilting. And, you know, technically quilting is the final step right. of your quilt. When you yes, stitch the true. three right. layers together. Right. So you have to be cognizant, especially in our situation where we're editors and we're the face of our online content, the terminology that we use. So right. I'm very um, aware of when I use these terms. So quilter, art quilter, I do use art quilter a lot. But also a lot of times I use it interchangeably with artists, especially if it's, you know, showing somebody who's done a mixed media piece. Right. Then, you know, I often call them an artist. But for me, I'm not an art quilter, so I don't, I don't know. I guess it's all preference, right? It's personal preference. It is. Do you call yourself a quilter? Yes. Mm. 
Because yes, I don't yes. sew garments, so I'm not a sewist or a seamstress or a sewer or a sewer. <laughs> I'm none of the above. <laughs> I'm a quilter. I mean, that's all I do. So, you know, if I ever expand out to sewing garments, then at some point I might call myself a sewist. And then it might depend on what I'm working on at the time. Right. What I refer to myself as. So what do you call yourself? Mainly I call myself a quilter, but I think I probably would call myself a sewist. Um, I make, well, you do I other make, things. I make bags. Yeah. And I make, you know, I make all kinds of different little projects because I've done a lot of teaching kids to sew. Right. So I try to make fun projects with kids. So. Yep. So many preferences, so yes. little time. Right? I yes. want to know what our listeners call themselves and if they have a problem with the word sewist. Yep, that'd be good. Or seamstress for that matter. Really? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, seamstress, I really do think garments, but. I do too. I but I tell. think it's antiquated at this point. It is. I think it's considered like an antiquated term. Yeah. Do they call themselves a garment sewist now? That would be a good question. Huh. Well, see? And, and see, then I also wondered. Are people my age still making garments? I don't, unless I'm doing something special, and I mean like really special, b- think balls um, mm-hmm. and and wedding gowns and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. That's the only time I make garments anymore because it takes no time to go shopping mm-hmm. and just buy something. And there's and it's less expensive, right? Uh, well, lots, lots of times it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be the only time it, that it makes it uh, more affordable. Well, and and what I want when I'm talking about the Marine Corps ball and mm-hmm. the granddaughter's wedding, I can't afford at the store. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, like, I want it to be way over the top. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That and, makes sense. When and you're the way doing, I do yeah. that is, and that's is gonna make be, it. You know, several hundred dollars, if not a thousand oh, yeah. or more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe couture... Mm-hmm. Tour sewing yep. and stuff, yeah. Well, I'm so happy that we did not come to blows, ladies. Yes, that's right. Because <laughs> Lori is a scrappy we one. We have to tell find you. more controversial <laughs> topics because I think that we tend to agree. There's going to be some hair pulling at some point. Sometimes, surely. <laughs> well, thank you for the inspiring and motivational discussion. Thank I really you appreciate too. it. Yeah, it was fun. It was. Yeah. It always is. Yes. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Great. Bye. 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 so much for listening to the quilting company podcast remember you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today by visiting our show notes page at quiltingcompany.com slash podcast if you haven't already subscribed find us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends thanks for listening and happy quilting This podcast is produced by F&W Media Studios. Our editorial director is Trisha Patterson. Our consulting producer is Ron Doyle. Our audio engineer and editor is Kevin Mitchell. Our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.